Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, hello, and welcome once again to the Baseball America Hot Sheet Podcast. I'm Josh in North Carolina. That's Jeff in Massachusetts. And for the first time, we have a special guest, Bill in Arizona. It's our own, or Baseball America's own, contributor extraordinaire, photographer, does two chapters in the handbook, roams the backfields and big fields in Arizona, Bill Mitchell. Hi, Bill. How are you? Hello, Josh and Jeff. I'm doing great. Good morning to everyone. I'm I'm just a little stunned right now because you're in Arizona where it is warm uh, at, at best and hot at worst, and you look like you're in a sweatshirt. Which is <laughs> no, it's just a red T-shirt. That's all. Oh, okay. I was just say, oh my goodness. I, I don't wear sweatshirts this time of year. Oh yeah, I you know every so often when I'm in the backfield, I'll see guys wearing those those long arm protector sleeves or or sometimes even like pullovers. And it's like, are you guys crazy? It's really hot out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess it does protect their skin. Um, so last time we were we did this podcast. Uh, we talked about the Arizona Fall League. And this time, we're going to talk more about the Arizona Fall League because it's just that darn cool. And we thought, who better to come on the podcast than Bill, who is out in Arizona, and I believe, if I'm right, Bill, has covered every Arizona Fall League since its inception? I've been going to games there either as a fan, a father taking his children, uh, a freelance writer doing my own Fall League website, to covering it for Baseball America, yes, since 1992, every season except for the year we didn't have a season. So you've seen, you've seen them all from Trout to Harper to Jordan to Tebow to Acuna to Guerrero to Betts to Bryant, everywhere in between. I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of guys, but you've seen them all. Oh, so, we can go back to Mike Piazza and Mark Grudzelanik. Woof. I didn't realize. And Dewan Brazelton, there's a name for you. Yeah, I was gonna say I, don't, I didn't even know Piazza and Grizzolonic belonged in the same sentence either, but they're both pretty good. And and uh, Dewan, you know, it doesn't doesn't really belong with those guys either. But yeah, you've seen a lot of, of games out there, and I guess I'll just start with the, the simple question. You know, that's twenty thirty. That's thirty. This is the thirty. This is the thirtieth. Then this is the thirtieth anniversary because you didn't have one year. Um, what are your favorite memories from 30 years of the fall league? Oh, there's just so many. I've, uh, it's always been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, uh, I think back to the, perhaps one year when the outfield for the Scottsdale Scorpions was Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, uh, and, uh, a, a couple of other notable guys. It's like, uh, how do you, you know, you put together an outfield like that? Major league teams don't have an outfield like that. Yeah. So th- that's a good memory. Uh, just uh, just getting to know some of the players on a more casual basis, uh, getting to know the fans that are there every year. And we do have our super fans at Fall League. So, uh, you know, being able to walk through the stands and uh, uh, just have it such an informal atmosphere and watching great baseball. 
Yeah, you mentioned the super fans. That wasn't on my note, but I know of at least two super fans. There's the uh, greatest in a millions universe's woman, and I, her name is escaping me right now. It's Susan. Susan. Susan, thank you. And flag woman, whose name I've never known, but she has the the kind of the semaphore flags that she waves for whatever reason. <laughs> Her name is Cindy, and I just saw her the other week. She uh, she works at Chase Field, so she happened to be at uh, when I was there for the Perfect Game All American Classic. Have you heard why the flags? No, it's just her thing. <laughs> well, it certainly stands out because you're right. There's not, you know, for, for games that have outfields that feature Trout and Harper at times, and you know they weren't they weren't anonymous then at all. Yeah, that there's still there's so very few fans at these games. There's a couple hundred, two, three, two, three hundred. If you're on a good day in a, a, a world where Tim Tebow isn't uh, on one of the teams, in which case you get a couple thousand. So, you know, beyond all that, what, what do you think about this year's group of, of AFL players now that you've gotten to look at the preliminary rosters? I think it's a younger group than in the past. Uh, and that's part of the way minor league baseball is going. We've eliminated a, a level of minor league ball. Uh, players are getting to double A faster. They're getting to triple A faster. And we're having people like Jordan Lawler, who was just drafted last year. Uh, we've got a couple of players that were just drafted this year in the league. So uh, it used to be originally was triple A players ready to go to the big leagues. Uh, with some double A players too, you very seldom saw any A ball players in the league. Uh, but now it's getting younger, and as long as they're prospects, hey, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, this this year's got a lot of really interesting guys, and like you mentioned, there's two, uh, at least two, I think of uh, 2022 draftees, and they're not even among the youngest in the group. Those would be the teenagers, like uh, Jason Dominguez, who will be out there, and he's. I will be very interested to see what kind of crowds he draws uh, for games at Mesa. And then there's Davis and De Los Santos on the stacked Salt River Club. You know, I'll, I'll kick it to Jeff here. You know, you've had a little bit more time, too, to kind of look at the rosters. Jeff, what have you thought about uh, the AFL crop this year after a few days to simmer? But last time we talked, it was only a couple hours after the rosters had come yeah. out. Yeah, I don't think um, my perspective has changed a ton. And, you know, I think just having dealt with um, a similar league out here, of course, for for college players uh, in the Cape Cod League, I know these rosters are in flux, less so than the Cape Cod League, uh, but there's still, you know, hands full, fulls of players that maybe don't end up there or don't end up there for a long period of time. Um, you know, I think uh, the hitting, honestly, overall is really good again that's where the stars are going to come from. Um, you know, there, there's the, the couple of college draftees that are here and Wizen Hunt and, and Rocker, two guys that I saw actually early summer, late spring. Um, that will be interesting, but I'm also kind of wondering how many innings they get. Uh, it's a really heavy reliever group again, um, which, you know, I think is some good and some bad. I don't know if the quality of pitching is going to be uh, as good as maybe it was years ago. Um, but I think this is kind of what the norm is just based on what last year was like. And I think, you know, a couple of the previous seasons, but I can really only speak with firsthand experience the last year because it was my first year out there. Um, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of firepower though uh, coming out of these pens. I think that was one of the things that jumped out to me last year. Is any game you go to, well, you may not see, you know, um, a future superstar starter type of type of deal. Um, you will see some some bullpen arms that could contribute to competing major league clubs uh, as soon as you know 2023. Uh, and I think there's some interesting, just you know, secondary pitches you'll see. You'll see a lot of good fastballs. You'll see some guys that can throw hard. Um, so I, you know, I think that's overall just looking at the rosters. That kind of seems to be what the the baseline construction has been of the AFL at least the last couple of years. So you know, a lot of high end bats, and then you know the pitching. It's just it's sort of uh, uh, a hodgepodge mix of relievers and sort of those fringy uh, starter types. And I'll correct myself from my last podcast, our last podcast, where I said Quinn Priester was the only top 100 prospect going. Of course, yeah, I am wrong there. Tink Hentz is also going. That's two top 100 prospects. But the point is, Jeff, you know, even in, in just experiencing two, it's going to be two fall leagues for Jeff. And I think these will probably be the two lightest pitching crops. Um, at least I've only, this will be my ninth. And last year was, not very good in terms of pitching this year doesn't appear to be much better bill how in your experience how much of a decline has there been in the quality of pitching in the fall league it, for, in terms of star power and results sometimes it has been this way for quite some time and it's uh because pitchers get shut down uh, innings are managed a little closer than they used to be. Uh, you aren't getting your pitching prospects that pitched a full season. If they had 25 starts during the season, they're shut down. Maybe they come to instructionally get in random innings here and there uh, in a very controlled environment where they can roll the innings. But uh, what we get, and this has been going on for quite some time, is uh, if you get a good pitching prospect, it's because they were hurt or for whatever reason, they missed a lot of time this year and they need extra innings. Uh, and that's what we always count on. We look at uh, to see who uh, didn't pitch much during the season and say, hey, maybe he'll come to the fall league. So, uh, you know, it, it's been this way for a little while. Uh, and then we get the, what I call the double A relief pitchers who, uh, you know, are there to just burn innings. Uh, and, you know, you, you sometimes get a, a pop-up guy out of that. Um, what I'm looking for is who's going to be this year's Wilmer Flores. And I'm not talking about the big league out infielder. Uh, it's the Detroit Tigers pitcher who pitched hardly at all in junior college. And uh, his area scout, Joey Lothrop um, from the Tigers did a great job just finding him in a bullpen session uh, at uh, the Arizona community college that he was going to. Uh, now he's a top hundred prospect. And did any of us know anything about Wilmer Flores coming into last year's fall league? At least not much. So who's, who's this year's Wilmer Flores? Jeff, I'll, I'll send that to you. Who's this year's Wilmer Flores? Cause you are, you know, in BA circles, the pits, the pitcher whisperer. <laughs> Tell us who is this year's Wilmer Flores? Oof. Um, I wish I was better prepared for this question, frankly. Um, you know, I, I think when, when you look at it, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to come up with one off the top of my head. Um, if you come back to me in like five minutes, I might be able to figure this out. Quickly. Are, are you telling me you, you don't off the top of your head know 
who the next breakout pitcher will be? Come on, <laughs> what do we pay you for? <laughs> Honestly, that's a good question. It's a it's a good question. Um, it's funny because like I, you know, you're looking for somebody who has potential like starter upside, and a lot of the guys that sort of like come to mind off the top of my head, like maybe like a like a Hagen Danner, for example, um, is like totally a reliever. There's like zero chance that guy's going to be you know, uh, a starter. And then you have other guys, um, you know, like Mason Miller, who I think is maybe the most interesting pitcher. I think I talked about him in the last podcast, mm -hmm. um, in the fall league this year, just in terms of raw stuff. Um, but he's a reliever. Like, I don't, I don't really see him being, you know, a multi-inning guy. And, you know, I, I saw Flores a few weeks ago and, I, mean, I think he got through six innings on like 75 pitches, you know, like he's really efficient. He's just such a starter um, despite, you know, maybe the pitch mix not necessarily being totally traditional. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that it's just a little different. So, you know, the name I'll throw out here and I guess I'll, I'll go with my hometown bias a little bit is um, Thad Ward. And I, I don't know if this is a cop out a little bit because he was a name that did have some helium, um, prior to the pandemic, he got injured, came back from Tommy John surgery this season, was back in double A, pitched fairly well. Uh, he's a guy that's on the 40-man roster bubble, um, and decision needs to be made whether he's going to be protected or not. And, you know, I think that for, for Ward, he could come out here and, you know, this is – he didn't throw that many innings. Um, he's probably had sort of his ramp-up rehab period back. Um and there's a decision that needs to be made as to whether he's going to be protected or not, because he is sort of within that window that he could be somebody that an organization would take an opportunity to grab and say, Hey, we could throw this guy in as a, a, a long man right away, you know, the pirates, whoever it might be. And it's not going to be a drop off from whoever we're going to have in that role to begin with. And, you know, maybe he could develop into a starter. I really think he's probably the most interesting one. The other name that I'll throw out there and we've talked about him quite a bit too is, um, Brian Wu um, from Seattle um, just really like the operation. It's a good pitch mix. Uh, he's got starter qualities, um, you know, could be a guy that I think gains some, some helium while he's out here. Um, you know, I'm always going to stand for Emmett Sheehan, but I don't know if, you know, necessarily Sheehan um, is going to show anything in the fall league more so than what we've already seen. Uh, and I also kind of question how deep he's going to go into games I would imagine the Dodgers are really going to limit the innings and, and how deep he goes, you know, it's going to be two to three inning appearances would be, would be my assumption, but if I had to throw some names out there, those are some guys that maybe are less off the radar um, than Flores, but, you know, interesting players, Christian Chamberlain, another one I really like a lot, but Chamberlain's not going to start, you know, but I would probably put my money on Thad Ward just because the situation he's in, he's shown the ability to sort of be, um, a true starting pitching prospect as well. And, you know, I think having sort of those characteristics is really what you need to fall in line with what we've seen from Flores since. Jeff, I, I'm glad, I, I'm, excuse me a minute. Uh, Jeff, I'm glad you brought up Mason Miller because um, he missed most of the season with uh, the A's, but I was at his first game of the year. Uh, it was in Arizona league. Unfortunately, it was in a stadium instead of backfield mm -hmm. and a stadium that was projecting velocities. Uh, and here's this guy who hadn't pitched all year. And we all get excited when we see 
triple digits up on the scoreboard uh, with the velocity. And he was 100, 101. Somebody said they even saw 102. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring him up as well because he was doing 101, 102, 100 yeah. a couple nights ago over the weekend in Vegas. And that was um, as interesting as it sounds, you know? As Bill said, we all get excited when we see triple digits because it's even though it's more common than it was 20 something years ago, it's still pretty darn cool. And I think it's the guys that can pump it up to like 101, 102 um, with a breaking ball. And he's sort of like that. The guy that actually, I think I think this compact previously, but he's kind of like, he's more like this year's like Gregory Santos. So the fastball quality might be a little bit better than Santos was. So we'll take this moment here to take a quick ad break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And, you know, the last time we talked, uh, Jeff and I went down the guys we're most excited to see. And they were some pretty obvious ones. Bill, since you don't get to see a whole lot of regular minor league baseball, that's the thing about Arizona. You've got all the complex, well, not all the complexes, half the complexes. You've got the AZL. You've got extended spring training. You've got big league spring training. You've got the fall league and the various amateur stuff. But you don't have any real you know full season minor league affiliates so you don't get to see a lot of these guys once they graduate from the complex who are you most excited to see on these fall league rosters well the first name i'll mention just because i do the kansas city royals prospect report and a monthly org report i just recently interviewed tyler gentry who a year ago was not even on their top 30 outfielder out of alabama uh drafted in the 2020 season uh, he went back to high A because he had uh, had had a, a knee injury the year before, and he hit hard, hit very well in high A. 
uh, clarifying that with some people, uh, you know, he was a 23 year old uh, SEC product and they, you know, so they minimized those accomplishments, but then he went to double A and he just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And, you know, quite frankly, he's probably going to be pretty close to the top of their prospect list this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing Tyler Gentry, uh, two other players I want to see, because I cover, do a lot of the big high school showcases. Some of these players I haven't seen in three years. And thank you to the St. Louis organization for sending Jordan Walker and Tink Hence because it has been, three years since I've seen those guys uh, and I want to see how they've matured, how their bodies have matured. And, and granted, yeah, I've seen Walker on TV uh, uh, in the futures game, but uh, he was one that caught my eye both at area codes and perfect game all American in 2019. And I want to see what he looks like now. Uh, Tink hence, I remember seeing him in the 2019 perfect game world series in Arizona and uh, scout said, Hey, you've got to go see this guy. Back then, he went by his first name, Markevian. Uh, so we were all rushing out to see Markevian hence. And I saw this uh, not real tall, very slender kid throwing. Uh, I don't remember what his velocity was back then, but he caught everybody's eyes. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he looks. Um, one more name to throw in is Zach Geloff um, from the Oakland A's. Played the entire year, his first full season at double a um, hitter out of virginia uh he just he was real good when i saw him in instructs last year i saw him in minor league spring training this year and he looked good uh and obviously he did well in double a so uh i want to see how he handles fall league yeah those are those are the name some of the names that jeff and i came up with for for obvious reasons um i think hence is right there with yuri perez for me on on best pitchers i haven't seen at all i don't really count tv um, Jeff got to see Yuri Perez. And did you see Hence this year in the backfield? I think he yes, I saw I saw Hence uh, right at the uh, the end of uh, spring training. Um, but he was only throwing like a side session. I didn't see. I don't think I saw any game action. Unfortunately, we'll send that to our our panel of judges to see if that counts. I mean, you've seen him. I don't know if that means that I, I've walked past. Well, before the recent series, I'd walked past Ellie De La Cruz. I don't know if that means I. I'd seen him, uh, but yeah, Bill, Bill's list is very similar to ours. Um, it's not a surprise that salt river is, you know, where we've gotten a lot of our guys from that is an extremely stacked team. Um, I'll circle it back to the, you again, Bill, we know we mentioned Harper and trout. Is that the most stacked AFL club you've seen, or is there another one that you can remember that just was just talent on talent on talent? Uh, the, certainly it has to rank in the top five over the years. I, you know, you, you besides you mentioned Davis and De Los Santos before, uh, Jordan Lawler is on that team. Uh, uh, Zach Veen, uh, and several other Rockies, uh, um, uh, stand out. So, uh, yeah, that's, that will certainly be one to watch. Yeah. I mean, warming Bernabel is yep. not one to, to miss. Uh, we got, uh, Addison Barger from the Blue Jays. He's really interesting. Um, Colt Keith, we mentioned on the last podcast, uh, was a guy who had some helium before uh, he got hurt. And we didn't even talk about Mr. Mr. Uh, infield Cannon himself, Mason Wynn. There's another guy that is going to be really interesting. That group 
you know, <laughs> beyond just going to Salt River Fields, that group is going to be a good reason to go to that beautiful park every night. And I'll, I'll segue that way. You know, there's, there's six primary Arizona Fall League stadiums. Bill, pick a favorite. You know what? I like the old school feel, some of them. Uh, I like Peoria Stadium. Uh, if I was really going to, if I, if we were going to branch out, then I'd put Cam in there, but they don't use that for fall league. Uh, I just like those stadiums. They just have a nice uh, homey feel. Uh, it's easy to get around. Uh, the sight lines are good from a photographer standpoint. The lights are good at both places. So uh, I, I say that I also like surprise stadium, even though it's the furthest one from my house. Uh, it just, uh, I always, uh, there's two good complexes out there. You can easily wander, and we may do this while you're here, Josh. We may wander out of the stadium briefly, walk to the Rangers or Royals backfields and catch a little instructs action. We did that last year when uh, all of a sudden we found out that uh, an hour and a half after the fall league started, there was going to be an instructional league game with uh, the Royals' top three pitching draft picks all going back to back to back. So um, those are some of my favorites. And then I'll throw in Sloan Park just because it's five minutes from my house and I can easily get there. Yeah, it sounds like you and uh, Jeff and myself are all going to be in the Sloan Park radius. Uh, Jeff, I'm not going to spoil it, but he he mentioned where he's staying on the last podcast. So I think he's staying right there next to Sloan Park and I'm staying pretty close myself. So that's going to be home base for everyone. Uh, it, it's not any particular reason, except the rates are better in that area. For whatever, it's a great park too. I'll say I am partial to Scottsdale Stadium uh, because it is so easy to get from one spot to the other in that park. It's not really big. If you want to go from one side of the, the the first baseline to the third baseline, it's quick. There's no you know you want to go up the stairs or around or anything like that. And there's a certain joy in hearing the great Tony Rigsby get more and more annoyed by the kids on the berm every single game <laughs> you'll have every so often there'll be er, an announcement please get off the berm while game and and as the game goes on he will get more and more agitated because those kids will not get off the berm and it's pretty hilarious not not uh, not least of which too is because tony rigsby for people who don't know him is the the pa voice of the durham bulls and he is, you know, the closest thing the minor leagues have to Bob Shepard from the old Yankee Stadium. He is truly the voice of God. I remember sitting on the surprise backfield. I think it was surprise backfield one day. Uh, yeah, so surprise backfield. One day. No, no. He does surprise and, during spring training. So maybe would that have yes, been where you heard him? It there? was, it was. And I could hear him from the big stadium. And I was like, you know what? I'm in Arizona, but I'm also in Durham at once. This is really cool just to be able to hear his voice, you know, announcing Bobby Witt Jr.'s name or whoever it was at the time. Um, I will kick it back to Jeff here. Jeff, you've only been to one fall league. What was your favorite park? Yeah, you know, I think um, for me, I mean, at this point, I've been to all those parks. I haven't been to Sloan, actually. I haven't been to Mesa. I've been everywhere else. I got like half a game in Peoria. So I don't really have much of a gauge on those, but I guess the other four parks I went to multiple times. Um, and I think honestly, for me at this point, like a lot of it is just experiences. Like I, uh, 
I had the opportunity at Surprise. Like I, I, I went for, you know, BP. You know, I ran into Bill for the first time, and like we sat down and watched it. I like Surprise for a few reasons. Um, I don't love the camera angle because you're so up high. Like it's that. That's not necessarily great if you're trying to shoot, you know, video behind home plate. So don't love it for that. But you have an overhang, so you could actually go to a game there and be, you know, a, a, a pasty white uh, East Coaster like myself. And uh, taking a day game and not get completely cooked because they have that overhang there. So that's one thing that I noticed. I also sort of like the facilities. It's easy in, easy out, um, plenty of parking. Uh, you know, that was just a nice background as well. Plus they, they have the cactuses out in center field, which I think is kind of a cool touch with that park. Um, so that one I think is, is just a nice sort of game experience. Like if I was gonna take my kids to a game, I think I'd probably go to surprise. Um, I'm crazy. I really enjoyed Camelback. Um, I think the backdrop is really cool. The colors and the, the touches in the stadium and how that sort of tied into Dodger Stadium a little bit, having my first Dodger Stadium, stadium experience this summer. Um, I could kind of see some of the parallels between the two. It is a really tough park to take a day game in. Uh, I had that experience, but I would say that it might be my favorite park uh, for a night game. It was really nice. Uh, you can get really close. It's a great camera angle. I want to say it was maybe one of my best pitching backdrops that I shot on. Um, I, I got to see a lot of good pitching performances there. Um, it's just a really nice park. I was also the closest to the hotel that I was staying at. Uh, so there was some convenience there. Um, yeah, you know, I thought that was a, I, I thought it was a really nice park. I know that there's not a lot of overhanging, not a lot of protection. I saw, I thought Scottsdale was really nice for the reasons that you mentioned. I also thought that, um, just the facade of the park was was really beautiful. The brick facade there, where it was sort of nestled into um, the middle of the town, um, and probably one of the really you know the nicest parts of the area is that downtown Scottsdale area. It's nice to walk around. There was good parking. Uh, you know, I, I had some friends that are scouts that showed me uh, some of the the tricks to to park over at Scottsdale. That th so that was really nice. And then I thought you know like just overall like nicest ballpark is prob was probably Salt River. Um, where I, you know, I got back to back days there, the second of which being the, the fall stars game. Um, that's a really nice park, a really nice backdrop. Um, and it's wide open. You know, I think there's pretty good sight lines there too. Um, plenty of parking. I think the outside of it, like walking into the stadium was probably like the, the prettiest walk up of any park, um, which is always something I try to, you know, keep in my mind, especially considering I, I judge them against the like Cape parks and some of those things like Fenway it has some great walk-ups uh, to those parks. So yeah, I think, you know, going through it each, I don't have a favorite so much yet. I'll going to, you know, hold that maybe until the end of this year where I can see a few of the other parks. And like I said, I'm going to be right there in, in Mesa. So I'm going to see those games um, a little bit more and be able to visit because the week I was out there, there were no games at Mesa. So you kind of hinted at it a little bit, Bill, you know, besides the fall league, you are, you know, you live full time in Arizona. So you get extended spring training and big league spring training and the Arizona league, I'm sorry, the Arizona complex league. And right now you get the instructional league. So I know it's early. It's much earlier than it has been. I believe in previous years, there was a bit of a bridge league into instructs this year. Who stuck out for you so far this year on the backfields in instructional league? I've been at the Dodgers complex quite a bit uh, because they're playing a lot of games. And 
we've talked a lot about the Dodgers, their ability to find pitching and develop pitching. And like every day it's five pitchers and maybe some you've never heard of. Um, they also have brought up some interesting uh, players from uh, the DSL. Uh, the one that's standing out is Jose De Paula, who was on the hot sheet last week. Uh, mm -hmm. And I actually talked to uh, uh, his outfield coach last week when I was at a game and said, uh, yeah, he's raw. He's got a lot to learn, but he likes to learn and he's, he's a good kid. So that's a name. But uh, it was a game uh, about a week ago I was at, and 17th round pick Peyton Martin out of North Carolina High School, who barely pitched in high school from what we understand. He uh, came out uh, throwing 95 miles per hour right away with a swagger on the mound, like, how did this kid drop to the 17th round? Uh, we, we couldn't believe it. I was, there were a lot of scouts there that day, and as soon as he starts warming up, they, they're jumping up with their video cameras to get around and, and, and to see him. Uh, and he's just one of many uh, there. The Dodgers, you know, really are doing a good job in, in pitching development. So uh, that's been a real treat. It has been an interesting year. You call bridge league, transitional league. Everyone's doing something a little different because Arizona league ended in August 23rd, but the full season leagues were still going on. Uh, a ball just ended a week ago. I think double a just ended this week. Uh, organizations wanted to keep players hot in case they needed to send somebody up to a ball. So that's why some teams are treating it as bridge league or transitional league. Uh, the giants were doing that and they've already shut down uh, instructional league. Uh, to me, I just call it instructional league because as long as they're playing games and there's players out there this time of year, it's instructional league. Uh, there's some that haven't even started yet. Uh, Angels start this week. Uh, uh, Cubs have just started. They're only doing instruction, um, excuse me, interest squad games. So uh, every day there's a choice of where to go. Uh, sure. Lots of baseball. For sure. Uh, you know, there's, I, I'm going to be out there early with the purpose of getting a little bit of instructional league. You mentioned the surprise uh, sites. I'm going to be I'm fairly certain I know I'm going to be there on one of those days because uh, I want to go see Anthony Gutierrez. Um, you know, he's gotten a lot of hype and I, I want to get a little bit of video of him. Not, not necessarily to see if he's real or not because, you know, it'll be one game. Who knows? But that will be really fun. And some of my favorite baseball is on the backfield because there's even fewer fans <laughs> than the Fall League. It's the more... Um, intimate atmosphere it's no it's just baseball there's no fireworks there's no mascots there's no between any games or anything like that not that those things are bad but it's just kind of the purest form of minor league baseball there is and you know part of the the fun of this job is to see guys before they're really guys before they're they're famous to get you know to get in on the ground floor of, of apple before it becomes apple and things like that and the best place to do that outside of maybe like tryout camps or high school or, or things like that is the Arizona league and the Gulf coast league. And it's like, you got some to add to that bill. Uh, yes, I do. Because I have another name uh, assuming that, and I, I don't remember how late they're playing into the season, but if uh, the guardians have two teams and if they're still playing, when you get here, I have a name that, that will be music to your ears and that's Churio, but it's not Jackson Churio. It's his younger brother, Jason Churio, uh, and he's looked really good for me. Now, you know, is he going to make the big leap like Jackson did? Probably not, but uh, he's still an interesting prospect. Uh, he's uh, 
got physicality already for his age. So uh, that's certainly one you should, if the Guardians are still playing when you get here, uh, you need to put on your list because I know how you'd love to hear and talk about uh, the Churio family. It's funny. There's there's those two guys that are the, the, the Churios, but I was shocker, you guys. I was looking up Jackson Churio's stats this morning. There are a ton of players with that last name. There are at least 18 of them roaming the minors right now, if I remember correctly. I don't think they're all related. This isn't a Wander Franco Wanderage situation, <laughs> but there are a lot of Chorios out there. But you're right. You know, I think whoever interviewed Jackson at this year's prospect had talked about Jason. And if I remember correctly, Jackson said that Jason is a better hitter, but has less power at this point and if you tell me he's a better i know that this is probably some brotherly love but if you tell me there's a better hitter in last name as jackson chorio right now well you're you're right i do want to i do want to see him and if they are still playing out that when i get out there cool if not you know he'll probably be at lynchburg next year and I'll, i'll get him at some point in the carolina league um I think Jeff, you know, you've had you got some backfield time in spring training too. Did you do you like the backfield as much as Bill and I do? Yeah, um, I'm not sure that I necessarily saw backfields that were as uh, littered with decorated talent at the level that uh, you guys probably saw in Arizona last year. But my area of East Coast of Florida got a little bit better with uh, some of the Washington Nationals acquisitions over the trade deadline. So. Um, that should be a lot better. You know, certainly, you know, I, I saw so many great talents in the Cardinal system and, you know, you get a, an early look on some of the adjustments that maybe some name brand players have made, you know, one of them primarily was Mason Wynn. You know, that's where I saw Gordon Graceffo hit hundred miles per hour, which sort of continued to build the legend of Graceffo from, you know, the guy that I saw uh, with Villanova to <clears throat> the guy in the Cape to then the guy in the following spring training that, you know, had added nearly 10 miles per hour of <laughs> velocity onto his max pitch. But um, I love it. Yeah, I really like any sort of um, game setup like that where you get to see, you know, a wide variety of talent um, at a really um, sort of uh, early stage in, in their development, you know, um, versus the more advanced baseball that I see in AA and AAA a majority of the year, you know. Um, it's good to get that compare and contrast because you kind of appreciate some of the things that are be, be being done, particularly defensively uh, at the higher levels in just terms of execution, you know, of just, you know, infield outs and, you know, fly balls, those sort of things that you maybe don't take for granted when you're watching uh, backfields or amateur level sort of stuff. For sure. I mean, and I think, you know, you got to see Yuri and guys like that who were brand named points and that's fun, but the, the best feeling I think in this little niche industry that we have is seeing that guy before he's that guy and kind of thinking to yourself, what am I looking at? And then being really excited. And if you're anything like me, you think about it on the entire drive back to the hotel. Like, what did I just see this, whoever this is might be special. And I'm excited to follow his career and write up about him. And sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. And sometimes it's just finding a guy who might not be, you know, Chorio or anything like that but a big leaguer like one of my favorites uh, a couple years ago in the the Rangers backfield 
seeing John King hitting 97 and saying, oh, I have no idea who this is, but I think this is a big leaguer. Same idea with Camilo Duvall a few, I mean, way few years ago when he wasn't much of anything outside of a guy who threw hard and you see him on the Giants backfield, you think, okay, there's, there's something right there. That's pretty cool. So it's fun seeing, like, I'm going to see probably Grayson Rodriguez this week. That's cool. But I would much rather see a guy who is going to be Grayson Rodriguez in a few years and maybe be the, the on the ground floor of that. And I will use that little hint to segue. Uh, I just kind of let the cat out of the bag. Unless they make a move with him, I'm going to see Grayson Rodriguez because Durham season here is closing with uh, a regular season tilt um, against Norfolk. So that's Grayson Rodriguez. That's Colton Coucher. That's Joey Ortiz. That should be really fun. Jeff, what are you doing this week? I don't know what more is left in your neck of the woods. I mean, Somerset and Portland are in the playoffs. I don't know if you're going to see any of those guys. Yeah, uh, Port- two pretty loaded <laughs> rosters. Portland's, Portland's a few hours away. Uh, that would be a bit of a drive. But, um, yeah, I mean, New Hampshire's done. Hartford's done. Um, there's some Worcester games over the next week or so. Syracuse is in town, which is the Mets AAA affiliate. Um, so, I. You know, I guess there's there could be some excitement there because that's Francisco Alvarez, correct? So, um, you know, I could see Alvarez again, but we'll see, you know, um, we'll see. We'll see how often I get out to the park this week. I'll be working on some other stuff as well. We're in handbook season. I got some calls for Blue Jays, which is, you know, the, the deadline for that is rapidly approaching. Um, I'll be watching a lot of games, writing up my last uh, best pitches article, so. That's kind of where my attention's at this week, but I do have a couple of weeks left at the AAA. So depending upon kids' schedule and games and that sort of thing, um, I'll be trying to get out there. But once it hits, like once football season starts for my kids, man, I'm, I'm pretty much like fighting against them and my wife to get to the park. <laughs> Those monsters. Bill, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Um, you know, I know you're usually on the backfield pretty much every day. I'm pretty sure you're, you're going there as soon as we're done with this podcast. Or maybe not as soon, but you're usually hunting down some white whales of yours. Who are you going to look at and look for this week uh, on the Phoenix backfields? Well, I, uh, I, I, I kind of make my decisions at the last minute. Uh, in order to share information, we uh, set up a WhatsApp, a private WhatsApp group for scouts. And when we get lineups, and game times we post them and this is not for today but i just got a one here as i looking at my phone first cubs interest squad will be 11 a.m wednesday so now i know what i'm doing at 11 a.m on wednesday uh closer i'm going out the good year today because both the reds and guardians are at home so there's two games a quarter of a mile apart uh, last week when they were doing that, they staggered the start times by an hour, which made it nice. Uh, today, they're, I think they're both starting at 2 o'clock, and I'm just waiting to get uh, lineups to see where I want to start. Um, I know the Guardians' ninth-round pick is making his first uh, outing, a pitcher from Connecticut. Maybe Jeff knows more about him, and I wish I could tell you his name right now, but uh, uh, he's pitching today. But I'm waiting especially to get the Reds lineup because they have a stacked roster now that the full season guys are coming in last week i saw trey faltine uh justin boyd uh and sitting on the bench waiting to play and another day was cam collier sal stewart austin hendrick and uh jay allen so i'm hoping to see uh some of those guys today as i've said before bill 
I don't, I didn't know if it's possible, but you are living my best life. I am so very envious of everything that you get to do as far as backfield life, minus the heat part during the summer. That I, it is, it does get hot around here. You debate heat, dry heat versus humidity. Either way, it's uncomfortable. But you know, seeing those guys come through those complexes all year long is really, really cool. And I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Thank you very much, Bill, for your time today. Thank you, Jeff, for your time. Uh, for both those Thank guys. You for me. For for both those guys, I am Josh, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.